Jesus dramatically changed the direction of Paul's life. Uh, Paul's life when he encountered Jesus was a 180 degree, degree turn. Uh, changed everything. Uh, Jesus forgave him of his past. He gave him a new purpose in life. He set him on a new road. He, com he completely changed the direction of his life. Um, I think for some of you, uh, you've had that experience of Jesus changing your life. Of, man, I, I live life like this. And uh, I encountered Jesus. And obviously it's a different story than Paul's story. But Jesus turned me around. In fact, the word for repent in the Bible is the one kind of depicts that 180 degree turn that I was going one way and then I had a change of mind and and the great thing as we've sung is that the blood of Jesus then covers our sins of the past Jesus redeems our past and he gives us a new purpose and and obviously the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins of the past, the present, and the future. And so He has made our, our destiny heaven sure. And many of you would say, no, I've, I've had that experience. And Jesus has changed the direction of my life. And uh, He has made me, He's put me in a right relationship with God the Father and established a relationship to Him through his son, Jesus, and a new start has occurred in your life. There is something more to the Christian life than that. There's something more than getting saved, having our destiny secured when we die. There is more than conversion in the Christian life. There is something that God wants to do in our lives and there is a purpose while we are here. And the Apostle Paul speaks about that in Philippians chapter 3. And in the first half of Philippians 3, as we saw last Sunday... The Apostle Paul has talked about that change in his life, change of direction. And he's talked about walking away from a life of religious achievement. And if you were here last Sunday, you remember those verses, verses well, Philippians 3, 1 through 11. Paul goes on. We're going to look at verses 12 through 16 this morning. Because even though he had walked away from his past and, and Jesus had redeemed that, and even though Jesus had put him on a new path in a new direction, 
part of the Christian life then, at that point, is to run hard after God and His purpose in our life. And Paul talks about that in the verses that we're going to look at today. So I want you to know in your life, in your life, it's not enough just to have an encounter with Jesus. It's not enough just to have your ticket punched so that you know where you're going to go when you're going to die. But listen this morning to the words of the Apostle Paul who sits in jail facing death. And he's speaking to the Christians at Philippi about joy. And he's saying, regardless of my circumstances in life, I found joy in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he wants them to know that he will continue to run hard after God until God takes him home. And the challenge that he's making to the Philippians and that is made to us this morning is that we must press on. We must press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There is more to the Christian life than just getting saved and going to heaven. There's a part of the Christian life that is about running hard after God. The Apostle Paul, Brother Cody, was a sports guy. Brother Cody, when I'm in staff meeting and trying to communicate with those people that God has placed under my care and I'm trying to communicate a deep truth and we're having trouble, they can give witness to this. Y'all don't have to say amen. They're having trouble grasping the depth of my understanding. I always revert to a sports analogy. I say, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, guys, here we go, here we go. Okay, no, no, it's a football game is what I'm talking about. So imagine yourself at a football game, and then we, we go from there. And I think they just kind of endure me at that point. The Apostle Paul was a sports guy. We don't know what life experience. We don't know the way that, whether he was an athlete. But invariably, you will see in his writings, he will, he will use the theme and... Uh, Brother Paul was a sports purist. Therefore, he spoke more oftenly of Brother Shane, the purest of all sports, the simplicity of running. And not, Brother Shane, Paul was not a sprinter. He was a marathon guy. The purest... And well, you think about Paul, and he traveled the world, and he was in Greece, and obviously the Olympic Games starts in Greece, and uh, Paul had to have some life experiences in these sports. And the Olympic Games didn't just happen, you know, in Athens; they happened around the world in different cities, and they had these athletic contests. And when Paul talks about the Christian life and the need to press on. He uses the imagery, the analogy of sport, and specifically running. And he says in Philippians chapter 3, 
verse 12. He says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. There is something in the mind of Paul as he presses on and he runs hard after God. There is something in his mind and 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 he, he says, I really want to start kind of just, I want you to see his, his challenge in verses 15 and 16. So he, he said some things and he's communicated in verses 12, 13, and 14 certain things. And he says, therefore let us, so he's talked about himself, but he said, no, no, this applies to all of us. Let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. There is a certain perspective, there is an attitude, there is an approach mentally uh, that we need to have to carry forth the Christian life as he is going to describe it. And so there's something in Paul's mind. And he's saying, no, no, you, you got to get this. Brother Shane, it occurs to me that there's certain things when you're running long distances over a long period of time that you're thinking about. And... Um, Sister Stacy, I didn't mean to call out just Brother Shane. Yes, there may be, I, I probably need to look around the crowd. Some of you have run, run long distances over long periods of time. I really get more out of my marathons than most people because I run longer than they do. It's still 26.2 miles, but it just takes me a little bit longer. Y'all have to realize by the time I get finished, they've already had the awards ceremony. I'm, I'm not joking. I'm a little bit offended when I see the schedule and I go, so what you're telling me, by the time I get finished... Y'all have passed out the trophies and they've pulled down all the tents and they've left. Hmm. But there are certain things. And, and if you've run... Uh, Angie, I'm sorry. Okay. Okay, I'm trying to think about who all my runners are in the crowd. I'm, yeah, you start calling names, you get in trouble. Um... There are, part of running long distance is a physical thing, but equally important is the mental aspect of it. And part of the training, actually, is just convincing your mind to tell your body to do what it does not want to do. And that's, what, that's why you train, not only for physical shape, but also mental shape. One of the things that I do is... Um, is I, I'm a visualize. I, I visualize where I'm running, and uh, uh, I, maybe my mind doesn't work like everybody's, but 
I consider myself normal. Maybe not. But I, I can pretty much memorize an aerial view. And I, I mean, I ran at Hillary's the other morning, yesterday morning. I ran 15 miles. And, but I've memorized it in my brain on the map. Now, sometimes there's a problem there, I've found out before. But anyhow, sometimes there's a gate that you can't see from the aerial view. Like, oh, this road is not actually a public road. Now I'm in trouble. Um, but you visualize and you, you motivate yourself by having uh, mile markers. And uh, I play little math games with my watch and I'm keeping time and what is my pace. And you just play these little mind games to help the, the, the hours to pass and the miles to pass. And, but one of the things that you visualize is the finish line. It is the motivating factor. Had 15 miles yesterday morning. I'm visualizing getting back to Hillary's driveway, hopefully. And I did. Um, I, I think for a marathon, it's true also. You're visualizing the finish line. I have completed three marathons. One of those, my first one, I did not finish well. And so this year I have signed up again for the same marathon. I know what that finish line looks like. I know the agony of failure there. And for me, it is a motivating factor. I visualize. One of the hardest things, if you run a course of a marathon that's like two loops, and so that you got your half marathoners and you got your marathoners, Psychologically, one of the hardest points is the half marathon when you pass through the finish line and everybody is cheering and most people, their families are there and they're all greeting and you go, I'm halfway finished. And you go, it would be real easy just to stop right there and say, could I go ahead and get a medal for a half even though I signed up for a full and they probably will let you do it. No, it's, you think, no, no, man, I got I'm just halfway finished. I've got another 13.1. There are all these things that go through your mind. Uh, and you are training your mind. You know, and we had a grandbaby born Friday night. Did, have I already announced that? I've already announced that. We didn't, get, we didn't get to bed back to Hillary's. I got to bed about midnight. But I had 15 miles to run the next morning. Brother Shane, excuses are for sissies. No. He doesn't care. We don't care whether Lindley's been born or not. We are scheduled for 15 miles the next morning. We've got to get up at 6 and we've got to hit the road. It's going to take two and a half hours. You've got, to, you've got to do this thing in your mind. One of the other things that I've thought a lot about is you cannot expend your energy looking behind you there may be cars coming. There may be dogs that are chasing you. You cannot constantly be looking over your shoulder because you're expending your energy in the wrong direction. If there is one thing I believe the Apostle Paul is teaching us about running the Christian life and about joy is that joy is forward-looking. Now, he uses the term press on or press toward in these verses. You've got to be looking forward. If you are constantly looking behind you, 
I don't know, at other runners, at other things that are going on, something's just happened in your life. Your energy is being used in the wrong direction. Paul said, I'm pressing on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, if we have time this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about the end, that the joy killer, one of the joy killers, is being controlled by your past. It'll kill your joy. You can also be killed by your present. I think there is something about joy that is, joy by its nature is forward-looking. There is one word that is the theme, and I, I have to make sure that we emphasize this. All the other points are sub-points. But the one thing that Paul says, and he says it twice, is he says, press on or press toward. He says it in verse 12, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Now understand in verse 13 he says, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. This is kind of interesting grammatically, you've got to understand. One thing I do, and then we read the verse, forgetting those things which are behind. That wasn't the one thing. That's actually a sub-point. One thing I do. Subpoint: forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And then when you come to verse 14, this is the one thing he do, does. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on. He wanted the Philippians to know that in the midst of jail facing death, I'm pressing on. I'm not giving up. I've got a forward look and God fills my life with joy. There's a lot of things in Paul's past, good and bad, that, that could chain him down. He didn't have time for that. He was pressing on. He wasn't just buying his time until God took him home either. No, I'm pressing on. I'm running hard after God. In fact, this word, press on, he says it twice in this passage, very interesting, is literally the word that is used in other scriptures to refer to persecuting when, when Paul says, I persecuted the church, he uses this word. Uh, it's kind of like, what do you mean? The word in its essence means to pursue hard after. To pursue after. Zealously, vigorously. And so in the context when it's referring to chasing other people, it's about persecution. If I'm pressing hard after josh lester no i'm running you down brother i'm going to catch you and i'm going to do something bad i'm going to beat you down when i get you that you know i'm persecuting you i'm running you down but when paul is talking about the christian life and he's talking about god i, I don't know that i don't even know that there's a it the phrase because he uses a sports analogy to me i run hard after god for that prize Forgetting those things which are behind and striving for those things which are ahead. I do not want you to miss the one thing that Paul says he does. And that is that he runs hard after God. All the other points are sub-points. It's not the main point. I'm telling you, I'm going to say a lot of things in the next 20 minutes. But the one thing you've got to get this morning is that it's not enough to get saved and to wait for your time 
for your ticket to be punched, for you to get to go to heaven, to your eternal home. Paul said, no, from the time of my conversion to the time he takes me home, I am running hard after God. Don't miss that because that is the point. So let's talk about the subpoints. <laughs> Verse 12. Now that, that's Paul's perspective, that's his attitude. That's what he's saying if you are mature in verses 15 and 16. Then you ought to have this mind. You ought to have this mind that it's not enough for me to be saved and somehow I'd get to go to heaven. No, but God, my, my perspective, my attitude right now is I am running hard after God. Um, I got into this thing late summer when the heat, I don't run well in the heat. And so I have to slow down my pace in order to get my miles in. And what I discovered is after I came back from Africa and, the, work, and the, the weather had cooled off, that when I started taking my time, I'm still running that slow pace. And something had to change in my mind a couple weeks ago that I had to say, no, 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 no. I'm not going to make it if I'm running that slow to start with. I've got to pick up the pace. But what I had to do in the midst of my running is I had to have a mind that says, no, I've got to push the pace because I can do it. My body can do it, but I've, I have, I've relaxed. I've backed off because of the heat to not run as fast. So there were things in Paul's mind. And Paul's saying when I'm running the Christian life, he said, if you're mature, you need to have this attitude. You need to walk by this rule and let us be of the same mind, he says in verse 16, that my life will be about running hard after God, but also a part of that, verse 12, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. Paul says, in the midst of my running hard after God, if I think I have already arrived then I'm in trouble. If my perspective is, oh, I've already attained. Let me tell you. I, may, I have a schedule of running and I may run those miles. But they're, the goal is 26.2. It's not 15 miles. And it doesn't matter tomorrow morning when I've got five miles that I go, well, you know what? I ran 15 miles on Saturday. <laughs> well, buddy, get your shoes on because we got some more miles to run today. You can't rest on your laurels. Paul says, I, I've not attained. I'm not, a, I'm not perfected. I've not arrived. I'm on a journey. There's a goal out there. Today may have been good. It may have been bad. It doesn't matter because I'm running hard after God. I'm picking up the pace. I'm not letting up. I'm not growing complacent. You see, I believe there were people in Paul's day, and he talks about them in the scriptures that we looked at last Sunday, that had a checklist of human achievements, religious achievements, that if I do these things, then I'm okay. In fact, some of them may have set up the rules in such a way that they would say, well, you know, I've checked off all my list. I've arrived. I've made it religiously. I've done everything that God could ask me to do. <sighs> I have been perfected. If your religion or your faith is based upon rules 
and they are rules that are human in nature that you set up for yourself, it is possible for you to get to the epitome, to the end, to be finished, to be perfected, to have attained. But if your faith is about a relationship with Jesus Christ and knowing Him and becoming like Him, let me assure you, you will never fully get there until Jesus takes you home. No, it's about a relationship. It's not about human rules or human standards that somehow I have made it to where I think I ought to be. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ and He is so great and He is so majestic. And because Christ is the standard and not some human standard, the reality is I will always be pressing on. I will never make it. I am always reaching forward. It is possible for us to become complacent in our Christian life and to so set up our, our, our religion with human standards that I have arrived and somehow I, I feel like I can coast, I can let up. But if my faith is about a relationship with Jesus Christ and He is my standard, knowing and becoming like Him, then I will always be striving for more. The Apostle Paul comes to the end of his life and we would, I don't know, we, probably most people would say Paul was the greatest Christian to ever live. But he says, I have not attained. I have not been perfected. But I press on. He says at the end of verse 12 that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. There was a purpose and a plan in Jesus encountering him and apprehending him on the road to Damascus. And Jesus gave him a purpose, a plan for his life. And Paul says, I'm running hard after that. And until he takes me home, I will continue to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. He kind of repeats himself in verse 12. Brethren, I do not count myself to apprehend to have apprehended. He's already said that. But one thing I do, and I know I've taught you grammatically that he really, you really go from there. The one thing he does is in verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. But related to pressing towards the goal is forgetting those things which are behind. I've already told you that joy is forward-looking. Therefore, the thing that will steal our joy, kill our joy, is to be bound by the past. Our past can be like a ball and chain. That if we let it, we'll never get past it. Do you realize that the Apostle Paul had a past? <laughs> he actually had two kinds of pasts. He had a good past and he had a bad past. If you think about it. And I believe Paul is talking about both of those things here. It doesn't matter whether you got a good past or you got a bad past. You got to get past that to be able to press on. 
Paul had a bad past. In fact, I just alluded to it when I talked about that word for press on, which can refer to persecute. The epitome of Paul's past was that he was a murderer of the people who were the followers of the one he now served. Paul would kind of allude to this in other places. Um, I'm forgetting the reference. But he would talk about being the chief of sinners. Paul, when he persecuted the church, was responsible for arresting and having Christians put to death. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10, For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which is with me. I want you to know that God redeemed Paul's past. I don't know about your past. Actually, some of y'all do, but we don't have time for that. But if God can redeem Paul's past, by the grace of God, he can redeem your past. There are some bad things that Jesus needs to forgive and we need to get past to run hard after God. But grace redeems if we will let it or more precisely, Him. But you know, I think for Paul, there were also, there was also a good past. There were things that he had accomplished for God. So, you know, if we talk about in running terms, there are days that I have crashed and burned, but I have to press on. I can't let the failures of the past hold me down. But on the flip side, I also cannot let my success of the past dictate how I run the race today because then I will think, well, I have made it. And what I've discovered, at least at 54 years of age, in the running world, you don't ever get to the place where you can coast. I have to press on. It is also true in the Christian life. There were accomplishments 
There were things that Paul could boast of, and he actually talked about some of those last week. I thought about last week the scripture that I want to read, that Paul talked about these, these good things, these works, these accomplishments. In 2 Corinthians 11, verse 22, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews five times I received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils... In the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils in false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness office, in, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside the other things which comes upon me daily, the deep concern for all the churches. Paul's saying you want to boast about some things. If you want to talk about some past accomplishments, oh, I got them. But then you come to 2 Corinthians 12, just verses after this, and all of a sudden it kind of flips. And Paul says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. There are some good things in our life that we also have to let go. We can never in the Christian life come to the point to say, I have made it, I have arrived. We must always be pressing on. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. It's kind of interesting, this word for reaching forward is the word that is used of a runner. Now, this is a sprinting analogy, but of a runner, if you had a tape that he or she sticks out her chest to cross the finish line, to break the tape. I'm, I'm, I'm leaning forward. I'm stretching forward. Of a runner who is reaching forward for the finish line. One thing I do, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is a picture of an athletic award ceremony like we would think of the Olympics. Y'all know in the Olympics how they stand on platforms when they get their medals? Who is, who's, who's on the highest platform? The one with the gold medal. And then you kind of like, mm, mm. yeah, down in the low rent district when you go silver and bronze, you know, down there. I'm up here. Got the goal. Paul says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call 
of God. I don't know if in the Olympics in Paul's day that they stood on platforms. Maybe so. And Paul says it's just like that. But there is an upward call from God in my life that I want to run in such a way that I win the prize that I don't ever let up. But I'm always pressing on. Our past can be a ball and chain whether good or bad, that keep us from pressing on. We can have an attitude that we have arrived. And we can fall into complacency, an attitude of coasting, of letting up. But Paul says that if you are mature... This is the mindset you need to have. That you're not finished with your race until He calls you home and that you need to be running hard after God. You need to be pursuing Him with all your heart and mind and soul. You can't ever have the attitude that you've made it, that you've arrived, that you've been perfected, that you've reached the level, that there is no level above that. But that you are straining forward to that call of God in your life of the purpose that He has for you until He takes you home. That you have to have this attitude that I'm forgetting the good and the bad of the past. It's all about moving forward. Straining for the finish line that I might finish strong. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, I believe that what Paul teaches us, and obviously the theme of Philippians is joy, that if you're bound by the past, it'll steal your joy. If you ever come to your presence and you think you've arrived, It'll steal your joy. The only way to have joy in life is to continue to press forward because joy is forward looking and to pursue hard after God. If you would join with me in prayer, if you'd stand this morning. Father, today I pray that you would uh, exhort us through your Spirit uh, that, Father, we would run hard after you. We'd never let up. We'd never let the past keep us down. And so, Father, I pray that you'd give us passion. Father, I pray that you'd speak to us about your purpose in our life, what it is that you have us here for. Father, we would run hard after you. So, Father, we give this time to you. We pray that you would use it for your purpose. Spur us on. I pray it in the name of Jesus.